if anyone listening to this is going to Iowa versus Penn State this Friday, please come to our happy hour. It's at the Vine in Coralville, Iowa, walking distance to Carver Hawkeye, taking place from 4 to 7 p.m. We have free drinks, free food, free merch, and even better, we're co-hosting it with our good friend Stalemates. So it's going to be lots of wrestling, lots of fun. So if you're going to Penn State versus Iowa this Friday, come to our happy hour. Details are in the show notes. Now let's get to the show. I went to college. I'll be the first one to tell you. I went to college for wrestling. I didn't really go to college for college. And that's one of my biggest regrets in life. Uh, And it's something that I, I talk to my athletes about a lot is I was one of those guys that let wrestling use me. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is yours truly, Ryan Warner, coming to you from Chicago IL. This episode's presented by Spartan Combat. Check out the coolest trophy in wrestling at the Spartan Combat Nationals this April 8th through the 10th, taking place in Jacksonville, Florida. Register now at SpartanCombat.com. Our guest today is an Illinois legend, Connor Beebe, four-time Illinois state champ, four-time NCAA qualifier for Central Michigan. He now runs BB Trained Academy down in Pinellas Park, Florida. What a pleasure it was to have Connor on the show his family is like Illinois royalty. His older brother was a four-timer. His younger brother, Carson, one of my old arch enemies, was a multiple-time state placer. So this is a lot of fun, and we talk about college wrestling. We talk about life after wrestling, and Connor goes deep in terms of where he was after his college career ended. Fan of the Week goes to a recent Apple podcast review. We've been getting a ton of these lately, and I'm so grateful. I read each and every one. This one's from Chris Family Wrestling. The subject is entertaining and encouraging. I just want to thank, thank you for an awesome podcast. There's a lot in there. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But you know, if you're listening to this podcast on Apple, please leave a review, leave a rating. Same for Spotify. You can give us a, a star rating on Spotify. And doing so makes me feel good, right? But also helps bubble up this show to other wrestling fans who are looking for wrestling content. So thank you so much. For everyone who's left a review. And that's it, folks. Let's get to the show with the great Connor Beebe. Peace. Connor Beebe, welcome to the podcast, sir. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Woo. 
man, I, I just had uh, someone on who was like a businessman, but this time I get to talk about one of my real passions, which is Illinois wrestling. You're obviously down in Florida now leading the, the BB trained uh, Florida branch. But man, I think about you. I think about Montini. I think about four-time state champ, man. T- take us back to uh, to the early days. Were you a, a Martinez Fox Valley kid or where, where were your, what was your IKWF club? Yeah, so Martinez Fox Valley, we, we we were the original Fox Valley and then turned into Martinez Fox Valley when, when that club split. And then from there, we, we brought a lot of our talent over to Montini and, and the rest is history from there. So you were part of that original Fox Valley when Jose was just getting started. Was it the 97 team that set all those uh, records? I'm not sure. Uh, I'd have to look back, but that's when we had uh, Brian Dyer, you know, Eric Tannenbaum, Ruben Villarreal. I mean, I was very, a very, very low man on the totem pole in that team. That team was just unbelievable. Fanthorpe, like, dude, those names were like, you saw those kids at tournaments, you'd shudder, and that was all in one room. All in one room, and we'd battle every single day. It was it was one of the best experiences to be around. And I mean, you couldn't ask for a better coach than than Jose. I mean, he was the the guru of kids club wrestling, and still is. Um, I'd put that team up against any any Illinois kids club team. I mean, maybe Harvey Twisters back in the day. That would be, you know, the one team that that I think could have battled with us and maybe beat us, but it would have been a very, very tight, close and, and fun duel for sure. Definitely, man. You combine those, those Aurora kids with the Naperville kids. And man, it was just, it was amazing to see from afar. And now that you're a coach, you think back to what Jose was doing. And I only got to go to a couple summer camps. You got it every day, but I remember his systems he had on the wall. They were framed. You'd have like a cradle series. You'd have a, you know, a low single series. How much of what you learn from Jose, are you still kind of using it in that style of teaching that he did back in the day? Uh, I, I, I use it every single day in our room. I mean, the way that he articulated things and broke things off, broke things down. Um, he, like you said, he had a system for everything. Listen, if this doesn't work, then we go to this. If this doesn't work, then we go to this. If this doesn't work, then we go to this. And part of the reason why he was so great is, is he stayed very basic but with high level uh, little tiny details in every single movement. So, um, and I think that's why, I mean, you, you take a kid like Eric Tannenbaum became a, a national finalist, an NCAA finalist and, and some of those other superstars and, and he, he molded them and made them even better. You know what I mean? And he's part of the reason, uh, a huge part of the reason for a lot of those, those, those athletes success, including me and my brothers. Hundred percent, and you think about his his style was all about drilling and repetition. And I got to imagine you know, having brothers as you do in the BB family. I mean, there's a hundred of them, as they say. But uh, you know, uh, you know your, your older brother and then your younger brother Carson. I mean, you guys must have been just scrapping every day back in the uh, back in the early two thousands. Uh, absolutely, it, it got to the point where. Uh, our parents had to get us a, a little 10 by 10 wrestling mat in the basement. And then it turned into, all right, well, we're getting holes all over our walls. So we're going to need to pad up the whole basement as well. So, I mean, it was, it was definitely a fun environment as far as that was concerned, because you always had a trillion, a training partner. You know, my dad was willing to come in and scrap every once in a while. He didn't really know much about wrestling, but he would scrap with us until we got into high school and he realized that maybe, 
maybe it was better to sit those ones out. <laughs> <laughs> and man, what I love about your dad is he's still around the circuit. I was at a beat the streets event, like a year and a half ago. I sit down at the table and lo and behold, your dad's name's Larry, right? Yep. Yeah. I'm like, someone's like, that's Larry Beebe. I'm like, that's the BB's dad. I'm like, he's still going to it, man. He's still helping kids. I mean, that guy just loves it. Yeah. If, you, if there's nobody in the world that loves wrestling more than, than my dad does, if he can have a hand in it or be a part of it, or just be a, in a room, he's going to be there. The guy loves the sport. He loves what it did for, for his kids. Uh, and the funny thing is, is he didn't wrestle. Right. So wow. When we got into wrestling was almost his, his first experience of, of what re- the wrestling world was. So when he threw us into wrestling, he didn't really know what to do and what was expected and, and kind of, you know, fell in love with it just as much as we did. And, and it, it made it easy for us. Yeah. I mean, and, and just for context, how much older is Chase than you? Or a uh, year and a half. Than him? Okay. He's older than Chase you. is older. Yeah. Got it. So he started his run. He was a four-time state champ as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, and that's right when uh, Montini was really coming on. So what's the story about how he got to Montini uh, wrestling for Coach Boo? Because obviously that's probably a big reason why you went there as well. Uh, I think the real reason, uh, you'd actually have to ask my parents the, the real reason behind it, but I think the real reason was my oldest brother, Cole, was uh, notorious for getting in trouble um when he was young and i think they wanted a mentor and a coach that could guide him and steer him in the right direction and there was no coach that was better than than coach boo right coach boo was um one of the best still to this day one of the best influencers in in my life and any athlete that he's he's ever had his hands on um you know you, you talk about a guy who won a state title not only multiple state titles, not only in wrestling, but in football and softball. I mean, that's crazy, mm-hmm. right? You're that much of a motivator and, and you can get your athletes to that high of a level in three different sports just, you know, speaks highly of, of what he's able to do. And I think my parents saw that and they really wanted a leader and a, and a coach that, that could really facilitate what, what we needed and uh, get us to what we, what we were looking for. And uh, Coach Boo did that. And Coach Boo was, I mean, he's the, he's the reason why all those kids came, right? Um, he, there was a few people around the program that helped him out, you know, get those kids in the room or at least in front of them. And then he sold it and he did the rest. You know what yeah. I mean? It was, he's, he's the credit for it, right? Him. Coach Boo, Coach John, Javo, also a guy that I think he's getting inducted in the Hall of Fame this year. Thank God. I mean, he's well deserved of it. Um, so him and him and Coach Boo were the, the catalyst behind it. And then they had help all around and they they kind of built the pillars. Yeah, I mean, what truly the godfather of Montini wrestling, you know, a lot of people in the in the, in the later years, you know, Israel took over and you know, he's a, done tremendous things for Illinois wrestling, but Coach Coach Boo, Mike Bukowski, who's been on the podcast, he was the guy who really took it and just made something out of this tiny little school that really not a lot of people had heard of. And, you know, now Montini is this national program. You go anywhere in the world, anywhere in the U.S., you mentioned Montini wrestling, they know about it. But, I mean, before Coach Boo, they, I don't think they had won a state title in any sport. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, one of the great dynasties. What do you think it is looking back now that made him such a good coach? It was just an amazing motivator, 
right? He didn't really know a lot about when it comes to technique and, and things like that. Um, Coach John was pretty much the technique guy in the room, which he, he was a mad scientist when it came to technique. Um, so you put a, a combination of, of you have that mad scientist when it comes to playing with lineups and the, the technique aspect of the sport. And then you have the motivator. I'm telling you, there's no motivator better than Coach Boo, right? The guy could get you to do anything and and you wanted to wrestle for them right that's what the great coaches do the great coaches have athletes that 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 want to go to war for them and that's what he he created right we yeah. wanted to go to war for coach boo he made it an atmosphere where it's it's not only do we want to go for for coach boo but we want to go to war for the team i mean it's evident in in some of our duels that we had to really dig deep and and figure out a way uh, to win a few of those, uh, a few of those duels against the Providence, the Providences, the St. Rita's, the Mount Carmel's back in the day. Um, it, it just, I don't think I've ever been around someone who made you want to battle more than, than that guy. I mean, and I've been fortunate enough to be around great coaches that, um, don't really need to raise their voice to make you know that they're not happy. Right? right. And I think that's a very special quality. And coach Boo had that uh, coach Borelli had that at, at central Michigan. Um, it, it, it was one of those things where you knew when he wasn't happy and knew he, when he was happy and his voice really didn't change much. And, and that's hard to do, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's a powerful trait. I mean, even, uh, even throughout like your day, you know, like if you get upset with someone, not, not letting it show, I mean, those guys, you know, they, they do it, they do it without even thinking. And, I just think about all the guys I've had on this podcast who are super successful in wrestling. The coaches they've had are like Hall of Famer on Hall of Famer. I mean, I, I'm doing a project on Tony Davis right now. He had Coach Quint, Bill Wick, and then Mark Manning. It's like you think about Crazy. You, Jose, Coach Boo, and then Coach Borelli. It's like, my God, dude, like you'd, you'd, you'd cut a finger off to be around any of these guys for a day. You spend a lifetime with them. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the important thing about our sport. Our sport's way too hard not to have the best motivators around, right? Uh, so in, in order to see success in this sport, you need to surround yourself with the right type of people. And that's kind of what, not kind of, that's, that's exactly what my parents were going for, right? Let's surround them with the right type of people that, that are, have the right type of goals for my kids uh, in order for them to you know, achieve. Maybe they don't become great, right? Maybe they just become great humans. Mm -hmm. um, but that was kind of what was behind it all was let's let's put them in a in an area, facilitate them to around leaders that that can can make them better on and off the map. And that's what's important. Yeah. And and you're doing that now with with the guys you're coaching. We're going to get to all that. But let's dive into some of the high school battles or maybe it's an IKWF battle. Like what was the big turning point for you where you said this can be a, a really big sport for me and I'm going to take it serious? Um, probably my first high school match, right? I was, um, that's one that, that, that really, uh, rings in my head. I, I was coming off of an IKWF career where I never won a state title, right? I placed every place, every place, but, but first and my eighth grade season, I took eight, Oof. right? So, uh, I felt like it was a complete failure, um, my whole IKWF career, which is not the truth, which is crazy, but that's what you think when you're, when you're a kid, right? If you didn't, especially when the goals, kids you're wrestling with are winning them, like they're nothing, bro. 
Yeah. And I'm losing to my teammates in, in the state finals. You know, I lost to Mikey Benefiel, which is one of the Montini greats as well yeah. in a state finals match once. And uh, I think that was my fifth or sixth grade year. So, I mean, I placed every place in, in, except for first. And then fast forward to high school, I'm weighing all of what, 90, 93 pounds, first high school match. Um, I get headlocked to my back right away, right off the bat. And I think coach Boo will tell you, he, he was on the, on the bench and going, Oh, great. Like, what, what are we going to do at one Oh three? Like that was his first reaction was, Oh, great. What are we going to do at one Oh three? We're going to have to figure out one Oh three, if we're going to win a state title. And all of a sudden I came back and tucked it. Right. And it was one of those things where it's like, all right, I can wrestle with these kids. And, and throughout the season, it was more of those, of those, um, those moments where it's like, all right, I made it to the finals in this tournament. Okay. I made it to the finals in this tournament. Right. Um, there was never an Illinois tournament that I didn't make the finals. Right. And, and that was in my freshman year as well. And so it was kind of one of those things like, all right, I made the Dvorak finals. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can wrestle with, with any of these kids in the state, right. Not only kids in, in single A. And then um, when it came time to the, uh, the, the state tournament, I would be honest, I didn't really think I was going to win that tournament. Right. Uh, I knew I was good enough to, but mentally I didn't think that I was, I was ready to compete. And, and when I did and went out there and competed, it was like one of those light bulb moments, like, Hey, listen, I, I could be pretty good. Um, and you also have the motivation that your brother is a, is already, he won his second state title at that tournament. Like, Hey, listen, I don't want to be as good as he does. I want to be better. So, right. um, one of those things that he was the main driving force in, in, in my career, uh, when it was not that I, it, it was more of a co- competition thing. Right. So, so how did you, how did you flip the switch mentally to get yourself ready that Friday morning at assembly hall? I think I just went in with the attitude of whatever happens, happens. You know, I think it was one of those things. And in the first match I got rolling, I, I was known for scoring points, right. In, in high school. And that first match, I lit up the scoreboard and it was one of those things like, all right, let's keep this rolling. And it just one match after another, my, my whole goal was just to score points. And, and it ended up working out for me. I think I majored him in the finals. And uh, so, yeah, and that was one of those also solidifying moments that, Hey, listen, I can compete. Not only can I compete, but I can beat you know, the best in the state. And then it started turning into, all right, let's see if we can battle with the best in the nation. Um, and it also didn't hurt that I was in a room like Montini, like Martinez, where I'm around killers every day that are succeeding at the highest level. Right. And not only am I around them, I'm able to wrestle with them. Mm -hmm. Now I took my lumps most of the time, but at the same time, I would take down some of these monsters and say, Hey, listen, if I put a few of those together, I could win a match against some of these monsters in our room. There's not a lot of guys outside of our room that are, that are much better. So if Mm -hmm. I can compete in our room, um, then who knows, you know what I mean? It's a, it's again, going back to surrounding yourself with the right type of people, the right type of partners, the right type of type of atmosphere and like-minded individuals. And, and, you know, thinking about all those guys you're wrestling with, not all of them went to Montini, you know, some went to, to double A schools. And when I think about that era of the two class system, the debate always was single A and double A. And, you know, fortunately for us wrestling fans, 
Montini went to the to the Big Daddy tournament, the Dvorak, and you mentioned you got second there as a freshman. I'm just curious, who were you battling with at Dvorak over the years? Uh, so my freshman year, I lost to who was it Wolf from from Marist, I believe. Um, I lost to him my sophomore year. I won it my junior junior year. Uh, my junior year, I lost to Jan mm. uh, in the finals, and then I beat Priest in my senior year uh, in in the finals. Wow. Man, Preston didn't have too many losses, if any, in high school. I mean, of course, there were some, but man, not many in high school and, you know, went on to wrestle for Northwestern. So you guys were, that's just the level of competition back then in Illinois was just fierce. Oh, yeah, it was, it was monstrous. Well, I mean, you look at our NCAA bracket um, throughout my career, you look at the 133 pound bracket when I was wrestling at 133, you had Fanthorpe, you had Kennedy. Um, you had just, you had, uh, what's his name from Iowa? Uh, Dan Dennis, Dan Dennis. I mean, you had just freaking killer after killer Castillo. Yeah. Um, you know, just my NCAA bracket was all Illinois. Right. And we were all battling each other day in and day out, you know, at the, at the the Midlands or the NCAA tournament. So yeah, we, we had a good, uh, lightweight class and like you said, classes. Oh, classes. And like you said, Preston was down at 125 heat. He must have got third at the NCAAs, you know, a couple of times that I remember. I mean, so, you know, those were like high school brackets, Dvorak brackets. And, and so you were right in there in, in one of the names of that time. What about the Montenia team titles? Had they won any before you got there? They were winning. Uh, they had started the winning ways with with Chase. Right. So Chase won three state titles for them. Uh, lost. I think the last the last right before I got there, they lost the, the state title or they lost the qualifying match. And then when I got there, we started rolling again. So they had just uh, started with, with Chase and my older brother, Cole and, and guys like Mike Grimes and, and other catalysts that were a part of that program that, that just were monsters as well. And how many team state titles did you guys win when you were there? Uh, four. So you had eight, eight brackets, man, across yourself. And then, uh, and then the team, and so mm-hmm. you guys were just rolling singly at that time. Yeah, we were. I mean, there were still schools that were competing with us, right? We we had to play with our lineups every once in a while. Sandwich was always, uh, mm-hmm. always, always hanging with us and and always uh, aiming for us and gunning for us. Um, Wilmington was pretty good back then, um, but yeah, we we were the, we were the team to beat, and I think we were t- the team to beat some years and even across the whole state. No question. Yeah. Not only single and it was in, like I said, you got to prove that at the, at some of those tournaments throughout the year and, and the dual meets and it just, the schedules back then were, you know, wasn't necessarily a national one, like it kind of is now, but it was as big as it could have been at the time. And, um, you know, coach boo well ahead of his time. How did you decide to go to central Michigan? Uh, I had offers to go to a couple big 10 schools and, and I was flirting with the idea of going to those big to big 10 schools, but, um, I saw coach Borelli as another coach boo, right. Uh, I loved his philosophy. I loved his, um, he kind of sold me on that little school syndrome, even though central Michigan is not a little school, but that Mac school where, Hey, listen, all these big 10 schools are going to tell you not to come here because you're not big 10. Um, but look at our record. We beat all of them. Right. And, and we can make you successful here. We've, we've proved it and time in and time out. And 
when I went there, I felt like, like I was a part of family, right? Throughout all my, my years at Central Michigan, those guys are still my, my best friends in the whole world. I'm having a wedding in a little bit and, and my fiance is upset with me because I have so many groomsmen because they're all, <laughs> all wrestlers, right? So all those guys are, 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 we still stay in contact to this day and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And again, just that, that, that idea of surrounding yourself with those type of people, right? We all had a chip on our shoulder because we were a Mac school, right? We always, whenever we wrestled the big 10 school, that's, that's how we went into it, right? It's like, why, why can't we beat these guys, right? Why can't we compete with these guys? And, the, and, and at the end of the day, we beat the Oklahoma States. We beat the, the Illinois. We beat the Northwesterns. We beat the Ohio States. We beat all those teams. I think the only two teams that we, we never beat while I was at Central was Iowa and Minnesota. We beat Michigan all four years, right? In dual so meets. In dual meets. No. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okie so State? We were, oh, yeah. We were good. We Holy were good. Shit, I don't remember this. So we were good. And um, we beat the VTEX, right? Wow. We beat and we beat Oklahoma State at Reno. And we beat them to the point where John Smith walked up to the to the table and, and had them recount. <laughs> right? Oh, I so, love it. so yeah, I mean, we were good. I mean, think about our 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 lineup when I was at Central Michigan. We we qualified 10 guys to the national tournament my senior year we were good right wow. we had and and our upper weights were death row right we had win mahalik we had the synod twins uh we had bubba gritter right we were we were always stacked up top and we always had killers down low like guys wow. like scotty Sintez and and all those i mean we were we were monsters and uh I'm glad to see that they're getting back to that way because I think they just knocked off number 23 mm -hmm. in the country just, just the other night. But um, that speaks volumes to, to the kind of coach that Coach Brelli is, is that he can take a program that, that doesn't get all the bells and whistles like a, like a Big Ten program, and he's able to put out that type of product. Um, when I was at Central Michigan, they called our stadium the second hardest stadium to wrestling. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's, that's the kind of energy that, that, that our team brought. I mean, and time in and time out and our assistant coaches facilitated the, the, the fans to come out and, and we packed the, fan, the, the stadiums. We wrestled Michigan. It was a packed house standing room only. Uh, I mean, it was, we had some exciting duels uh, for a small, I mean, for a, a Mac school, right. you know what I mean? And you see that kind of fan support, like you just know that, and I don't, yeah, I don't know Coach Borelli at all. I've had his son on, Jason, but yeah, it probably wasn't always like that. And so he put in the time and really built those relationships to have people coming out to a Central Michigan duel. I mean, that, that takes just years of dedication. And like you said, the team has to perform, and he's responsible for that too. But man, look at a program builder like that, and, and, and his coaching tree is crazy. Crazy, crazy. I mean, he's got coaches, D1 coaches all over the place. And then not to mention – the, the high school coaches that are doing massive things like, you know, Mitch Hancock at CCC um, just always nationally ranked. Right. So he's got his tree is, 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 is big. Right. So it just speaks to the, the type of, of leader he was. Um, and people don't realize that, that being a D division one coach isn't all wrestling. Right. That's literally 5% of what your job is, right? Your job is, is fundraising and, and educating the community about what wrestling is. So you can 
bring the support. You can bring, you know, the donors, you can bring those fans, you can pack this, the, the stadium and make it an exciting atmosphere that, that people and, and recruits want to battle and want to wrestle for you in that type of atmosphere. So, and that's what he was good at. Right. And coach Borelli was also good. Like I said before on, on selling the, the, Hey, we're a little max school, but we're going to smash anybody that comes into uh, that we come into contact with. So right. we'll bring all takers. Our, our schedule was always, I mean, you, you talk about a big 10 schedule. Our schedule was right there with big 10 schedule, you know, um, going to all the toughest tournaments and seeking out all the best teams. Do you think that's changed now watching the D one schedule with some of the guys on pitch counts and stuff? Or do you think that's more like just a, a factor of COVID and, and guys who are way too old are still in it? Like you just don't see the top guys wrestling every, every weekend. And it bothers me a little bit. I think there's a few factors that go into it. I think COVID does have, have a, and, and it definitely has a hand in it. I think the fact that some of these athletes are a little bit older um, and still wrestling. I mean, you look at guys like Stevan Michi, he's, that guy's been in college for nine years, <laughs> Right. you know, but um, I also think that we need to do something about, um, I don't know how you would go about it, but I think a lot of the coaches try to protect their, their, athletes ranking because where you get seated in the in the ncaa tournament could determine whether or not you're an all-american right um and people don't realize that that all your cards need to fall into place in order to become just an all-american the the margin of error is so thin that it could be just a, a, a placement in a bracket that gives you a better opportunity um to to get that all-american spot and it's funny because I've been in these, in these seating meetings because I was a, a coach at one time and, and the, the conversations that go on, like, Hey, listen, I know our guys ranked number three, but he'd be a, have a better spot in the bracket in our opinion, stylistically, if he was number four. So let's fight for the four spot, you know? And so wow, it, it's, that stuff yeah, goes it, on. It's, yeah. It's, it's crazy. And, um, and it, it's just, I think that that has a lot to do with, with the, these, these, these coaches holding athletes out, right. Cause they want to protect rankings. I could be wrong. Uh, it could be wrong with, with a lot of them, but I know that there's some of that going on. And I, and I could, I do think there's a lot of great wrestling going on. Look at this week and it was so fun to watch. And maybe it's, there's not a trend that guys are holding out more. It just seems like recently the past couple of years, we've seen a little bit more of it where, you know, like this weekend, for example, I thought for sure we were seeing Michik Nick Lee. And yeah, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's like behind the scenes, know every lineup before it happens. I was just shocked to see that Michik's not out there wrestling the number one guy. And, you know, week before we had to see him to an Ironman out. So I don't want to be like one of those negative wrestling fans, but it just seems like we're not seeing the consistency that we saw even maybe 10 years ago um, when you had the national duels and everyone's going to Cedar Falls and it didn't matter and they were just going at it, you know. And, it, and it's not good for wrestling. It's no. not good for wrestling when you, when you hold these athletes out. Um, now with that, I'm sure Michigan held him out because he's a little bit older um, and needs, and needs a little bit of rest. Um, but I, I don't know. Right. Right. It doesn't seem like they'd be holding his ranking because he was ranked under that guy. Right. You know? So, but there is a lot of those, those, I mean, that's what wrestling needs. We need those matchups. We need those storylines. Right. Mm -hmm. When, 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 
these these big publications put out these storylines of number one, number four going and, and do like an interview. And we need that. Right. Mm-hmm. Our sport needs that to, to live and to keep going. And we need uh, at the end of the day, those athletes and, and any athlete that's that's competing in this sport, you're you're a performer. Right. You're you're, you're out there to perform and, and you're an entertainer. Right. And that's yeah. what I tell my athletes every day is, listen, listen, go out and score points and make it fun. Make it fun, not only for you, but make it fun for the crowd, because that's what we need. We need fireworks because that's the only way we're going to grow our sport. Right. People do not want to watch a one to zero match. People don't want to watch the number one guy in the country get ducked by the number four or, you know, vice versa. We need those stylistic matchups and we need, you know, the fireworks so that people get invested and our fans get invested and our, our young athletes get invested in, in this sport. And I think uh, that's we're doing a massive disservice when we um, deprive the pride uh, or the, the, the fans of right. of those matches. Agreed, man. And it's uh, there's a lot of good ones going on. And uh, sometimes I think wrestling fans can be a little bit negative. But, you know, at the same time, we got to look at the reality of just saying, man, I don't I don't see everyone wrestling like they would have, um, you know, maybe even 10, 15 years ago. But anyway, man, when you look at your situation at Central Michigan, you came from one of the most elite high schools in Illinois. I'd love to know what was the transition like or one of the things that like, jumped out to you as you moved into that first semester? at central Michigan. Terrible. <laughs> that bad. Terrible. You were someone at your level, bro. Well, here's the thing. And, and this is the funny thing that, that when anybody asks you the difference between uh, high school wrestling and college wrestling, a lot of the answers you get is bottom, right? Mat wrestling, hand fighting. Uh, I'm going to tell you what the biggest difference is. Realizing you are not the shit anymore. That's the biggest difference. And and when you walk into a room, you know, I thought I was pretty good, right? I'm a four-time state champ, uh, was highly recruited by them. Um, and when you walk in that room and you can't get off bottom for a month, right? Or you can't even beat the third stringer. It's like, man, this is a reality check, right? This is, this is, this is, this is college wrestling. Um, and not only that, but you realize that when they say wrestling is a lifestyle, you don't really realize what they mean until you get into division one wrestling, right? Mm. It's a, it's, it's more than a job, right? You're waking up at, at four 30 and working out, going to school, then working out, then going to study hall, then working out. And then guess what? You're probably going to go watch film and then work out, you know? And it was one of those things where it was a, it was a huge, huge shock. But the most shocking thing was man taking my lumps, Right. I was, I'm always been used to having someone in my room that could battle with me. Right. And, and maybe even for most, most cases can beat. Me, right. I always saw a room that, that I, there was someone in that room that could beat me, but every single guy, but every single guy <laughs> in the room, I mean, right. I can't even, I can't even get to any of their legs. Right. And that was one of the, one of the, the, the big, the big moments like, Hey man, I got to figure it out. And uh, you know, also, I, I have a few funny stories yeah, about my, the beginning. Um, I got in, like I said, I got into my room, to my college room, and I thought I was pretty good. I thought I was a four-time state champ. I thought I could compete for the, the starting spot right away if I wanted to. Uh, the first practice I'm in the room, first of all, I don't, I don't get an escape, right? I'm on bottom. I get taken down. I get ridden out the whole practice. 
Um, not only that, I'm drilling. And at the end of practice, I had Coach Brelly came up to me and he, he's like, hey, take a shot. Take a shadow drill and take a shot. And he started laughing at me. He goes, you're a four-time state champ and don't even know how to do a penetration step? Like, are you kidding me? Because what, what happens when we get to a high level is we think we're cute and we think we're pretty good and we think we're quick and we get away from going to that, that, that first year of heel, toe, knee, right? It becomes more of a knee drop. And that's what I was doing. And so guess what I was doing after practice for the first month? Staying after and doing heel, toe, knee, heel, toe, knee, heel, toe, knee, heel, toe, knee, right? So, and, and that's, that's what you do your first practice, right? Your first year. And then you're like, all right, I'm past this. But that I go into the highest level and that's what I'm doing after practice, you know? So, um, man, when you're back at the dorm that night, you're thinking like you're, you're having some, uh, evaluations about yourself. Exactly. I mean, you're like, what, what have I been doing this whole time? Oh my <laughs> you know? God. But it's, it's, you also realize when you get into college wrestling, it's, it's, it's the little things that's going to make the difference, right? When you're competing with, you know, everybody in the room, everybody in your room who's trying to get your spot is a state champ. Mm -hmm. Everybody in your room that is trying to get your spot is the top, top of the top, you know, the top of the food chain in this sport, let alone those guys that have made teams everywhere else, you know? So the margin of error just is, is super, super thin. And it's something that I talk to my athletes about all the time. It's like, I think the statistic is, is 1% of, of any of these athletes are going to wrestle in NCA and that's D1, D3, uh, D2, NAI, right? So now let's dwindle that percent down to that's just people who walk on campus and start start the sport that doesn't mm -hmm. count those ones that quit uh within the first week that doesn't count those ones that don't make it the four or five years right so now you dwindle that percentage down a little bit more okay now let's dwindle it down a little bit more now you got to make the, the, the starting 10 right that percentage dwindles down a little bit more okay now you got to make the the ones that are conference champions or ncaa qualifiers okay you your percentage dwindled down a little bit more. Okay, now you got to be an All-American, a little bit more. Now you got to be a national champ, a little bit more, right? So the margin of error in our sport, when once you start getting to that level, is so thin that you don't realize it once you step into that room. You know, it's a hand placement. It's it's an inch or two of, of the direction of where my foot is facing, you know, and that's one of those things that, that you learn very quickly when you get in that room, when you're half a step behind everybody in that room and you think you're a pretty bad dude. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest difference. And a lot of these great athletes that you see that are the number one recruits in the nation or top 10 recruits in the nation, they go to college and they don't, you don't hear from them ever again. Right. It's because they're not used to not being the shit, right. They're not used to being the guy that, they're used to being the guy that beats everybody up, right? And they don't know how to respond to not winning, right? They don't know how to respond to having to battle for every single point uh, against the third stringer right away, you know? Um, so that was that was my experience um, and and the lifestyle, the schedule. Uh, it was just a kind of a shock, um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world and it, it, it ended up pretty well for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you went on to coach at, at a couple of D one institutions and now you're, you're running a facility in, in Florida. 
But man, you, like you said, when you think about just to make the starting lineup, but then to get to the nationals and, you know, as wrestling fans, we throw around all American, like it's like, it's a dollar burger at McDonald's, but it's like, bro, it's like one of the hardest things to do to even get there once. And, um, on that podium. And so you get to the national tournament four times and there you're really talking inches and in, 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 in milliseconds. Talk us through just you know, why the NCAA tournament is considered the grind it is and just kind of what, what you remember from it. Uh, I mean, uh, like I said before, everything has to work in your favor, right? You have to have, you, you got to wake up and have the best day you've ever had in this sport. Um, you've got to have the right placement. You've got to have, you know, everything needs to fall into line with you um, in order to have success at that tournament. Uh, it, it's just, like I said, the margin of error gets thinner and thinner the further you get down, get up, get up that ladder. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, it's just, it, it's, it, it is a grind. Um, my senior year, that, that's pretty much the reason why I got into coaching is because I didn't, I didn't accomplish what I wanted to in college. And it kind of led me into, all right, I still have more in the tank. Uh, let's compete at the senior level. And then let's, let's try this coaching thing and see what, what happens. But um, as far as that national tournament is concerned, you, you have, what is it? 32, 32 guys with the same goals, right? The same goals and pretty much comparable uh, credentials as you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and and all 32 of those guys, I'm telling you right now, believe they can be a national champ, not an all American. They believe that they can be a national champ. Um, so you're dealing with a bunch of guys that are headstrong, that are mentally tough enough to believe and, and, and they truly believe that they can not only beat you, they can, they can embarrass you on that mat. So it's just a, it's an absolute grind and everybody has the same goal. And when you have a, a bunch of guys that have the same goal, obviously you're going to have collisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're talking about 32 of the most alpha alphas in the country that are, like you said, not only can they embarrass you, they want to, man, they want to make it look bad. And you got yeah, your, oh, whole, yeah. your whole life and your prides going out there, you know, fighting for that goal. And so Monday morning of your senior year after the NCAA tournament, you don't get where you want to get. Are you knowing right then and there you're going into coaching? Or are you in kind of like a self-reflection phase at that point, knowing that it's all just wrapped up for you at the NCA level? Um, take me back. I, I, I had actually blew my knee out the first round of, of the national tournament my senior year. Um, and another, it, it was my fault that I did. My coach always told me, if you defend a high crotch this way, it's going to come down to the most important match of your career and you're going to blow your knee out. Mm. It's one of those stories where it's like the coach says, I told you so. And you want to punch him right in his teeth, <laughs> you know? Um, so that happened uh, the first round of the national tournament. And it was a lot of, a lot of feeling sorry for myself in the beginning. Right. It was a lot of like, you know, what I should have could have um, and blaming a lot of other people uh, in, in the beginning. And then once it really sunk, sunk in later that night, it was like, man, uh, did I do everything that I really could have uh, to, to, to get on that podium? And the answer probably is no, right? Mm. There are a lot of things that I could have done in my life that, that would have geared me and set me up a little bit better for, for that NCAA tournament. Um, so 
it was a lot of a lot of uh my fault you know it was all my fault right that's what wrestling is that's the beautiful thing about it it's you are what you put out there um so did i think i was going to go right into coaching no i thought it was done i thought i was done um i once you work so hard for something and you fall just short of it there's not a lot of things in life that, that you can compare that to right when you're in the stands uh after the national tournament and you're sitting next to your father and he says no matter no matter what happens i'm still proud of you right that that's supposed to be inspirational but there's nothing that hurts worse than that right mm-hmm. um when you're in those stands and you get a text from coach boo like hey listen uh you're one of my favorite athletes in the world i know this is this is all you ever wanted just know that that i care about you and that that you're one of my favorite athletes and just trying to pump you up and it, it ends up doing the opposite at that moment mm. right at that moment it's it's one of those things where you can't control yourself i broke down right i'm a grown man in the stands and i broke down in front of my dad and and it's something that i think about every day right it just it's just our mindset we train mm-hmm. so hard we put in so many miles for that that one opportunity to to compete at that level and 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 show everybody that listen this is what what coach boo has put into me this is what my father my mother have put into me this is what coach Borelli has put into me this is the miles that you know my partners luke smith scotty sintez uh, all, all these other guys have, have put into not only themselves, but into me to perform at that stage. And I fell short. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that moment, it was, it was one of those things. It was feeling sorry for myself and, and I was done, but it took, I mean, it took, uh, I think uh, two weeks after, and I got a, I got a call from coach Elliot out at Gardner Webb and I was signed on to, to go coach division one. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. And that's just the, you know, that's the revolving door of wrestling. It's just like a, a constant, uh, it's a constant humility tool because think about all the kids that you put out like at assembly hall and they're sitting up there and, and you're out there winning. So like you've done it to so many then a couple of dudes do it to you and you only remember, so remember the times that it happens to you. It's like, it's just, that's the, that's the beauty of the the tool of wrestling. It's just the, the constant humility that comes around. And, you know, after, after Gardner web, you get to Northwestern back in Chi town, your hometown, and you know now you're coaching at the Big Ten level. What what was your experience coaching for the Cats in those early years? Uh, it was amazing. I loved it. I mean, and the the best thing about Northwestern is all of those athletes are almost forced to be awesome humans in order to make it there, right? Mm. Uh, and, and some of the smartest wrestlers there are, and and just great people. So um, being able to just be around that was special. And being able to coach at the highest level and, and be a, in the corner across from, you know, guys like Tom Branch, Kale Sanderson and stuff like that. But not only be in the corner, but want to want to beat the hell out of, them, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So and and there's there's nothing like that. There's nothing like the excitement of of being in that coaching chair across from, you know, some of the, the biggest legends in the sport. Um, and not only that, but there's nothing like just coaching the best athletes you know, in our, in the country, right. The guys that, that show up to practice, like, like it's a job, right. They're, they're there, they're there to, to, to clock in and dominate. Um, so it, it was special. It really was. I wouldn't trade it for the world. 
Um, I love my athletes and, and I still love them to death to this day. They're all amazing people. Um, and you know, the, the best, my favorite story of all, all with, with coaching at Northwestern is, uh, I was on the mat with, with Pierce Harger in his blood round. He had never been an all American before. So we were in the coach's corner at the same time, Jason Sirtis was wrestling in the semifinals. Right. So comes down to Jason Sirtis is in, in double overtime and Pierce is in a grind of a match, right. He, where he's got to find a way to win. And I think there, it was like Pierce ended up stealing a takedown at the end, winning the match. And then, or, or no, Jason, Jason had gotten the escape, right on the mat and won in double overtime. So I started freaking out and cheering and jumping on the mat while the wrestling was still going on. And Pierce was, uh, it was in the midst of, of getting a takedown to the point where I think it was Jay Borschel who was in the corner had to grab me and pull me back because I was going to get, I was going to jump in the middle of the wrestling. And then all of a sudden Pierce won his match and I started freaking out there. So, I mean, wow. there was so many special moments where, where it was, it, it, it was incredible. And like so, you said, the guys that are doing it at Northwestern, not only cream of the crop wrestlers, but academics, like you have to have your life in so, you know, so much discipline and order at an early age to even get there academically. You know, I mean, that's just uh, that's icing on the cake. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the dedication that they have to 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 just their overall growth is amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'd walk in the, in the room and they'd be having these these high tech conversations, I'd be like, I'm just a central Michigan kid. <laughs> I need, I need to get out of here, <laughs> right. but no, that they, they, and, and you look at what they're doing nowadays too. I mean, geez, they, they, they proved it, right. They're, they're lawyers, they're doctors, they're big businessmen. They're, they're just dominating in, in the world overall. Yeah. So yeah, it just takes, it takes a special person. And even now, you know, Northwestern, they um they got a little flack for the whole you know the coaches leaving but man if you look at all the guys who are wrestling now in college wrestling that initially were at Northwestern Michik um who's who's the gentleman out at Rutgers Seabass I mean dude the, and then uh you know, the guy who Oklahoma State just picked up his name's escaping me Carter Young you know like man Northwestern they can they can do it and they can put some guys in there and they're really good at developing kids like Diagostino is one of my favorite wrestlers to watch they just know how to develop kids and yeah I think they catch a little flack with Midlands being canceled and, you know, some of the coaches leaving. I just don't think it's fair that, you know, they are, they're doing it and their kids are doing it, um, you know, at the highest level academically as well. Yeah. I mean, they, they do a good job. Uh, they do a good job. You, you have to, when you're at an institution like Northwestern, you, you gotta, you're already, um, you're already battling with these big 10 schools that are able to, so at Northwestern, you're not able to mix academic and athletic scholarship, right? So you're behind the ball when it comes to these big 10 schools mm-hmm. right away. Um, not only that, but you're not allowed to have in-state tuition, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're, you're way behind the ball with all these big 10 schools. So you, you almost have to be a master at recruiting and selling the Northwestern experience um, and not only selling the Northwestern experience, but selling the fact that, hey, listen, not only are we going to make it work for you, uh, you know, athletically, but look at all these guys we can put you in touch with as far as your athletic career is over and the opportunities that you can you can go on to do. And and I think that 
in order to do have success at a school like that, where there's so many chips that are stacked against you right away, you have to, you know, take the positives of that school and kind of, you know, elevate them, right? right. This is an academic institution that where, where you can accomplish massive things if you get a degree from this school. So, um, yeah, it, it's a challenge, but at the same time, they also have the advantage of the institution, right? So everybody yeah. wants a Northwestern degree. Um, you're, you're probably not sitting in a bad place after college <laughs> is over when you get a Northwestern degree. To so, say the least, man. I mean, my gosh, think about, I mean, I mean, now, you know, you're a little bit older than me, but, you know, just think about I, yeah, the appreciation you have for the degree now, you know, that's like, you know, we're in our thirties. It's like, man, to have a Northwestern degree and to have done the athletics is just amazing. How did yeah, you end up? So, something that I, something that I wish I would have thought of when I was you know, <laughs> actually in athletics or in a college institution, right? I went to college. I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you, I went to college for wrestling, right? I didn't really go to college for college. And that's one of my biggest regrets in life. Uh, and it's something that I, I, I talk to my athletes about a lot is I was one of those guys that let wrestling use me right? When it comes to, I went, I used wrestling to get to a college, not, not, not for the academics and not to set myself up for the next 40 years, but for those next five years. Right. And, and after I was done, I was one of those guys that was like, all right, now what the hell do I do? Right. And I think we need to do a better job of educating our athletes that, Hey, listen, you can use wrestling to better your life. But when you're looking at, at, if you do have the fortune to look at going and wrestling at the next level, don't look at it as I'm going to wrestle at the next level for the next five years. Look at it like, Hey, listen, I'm going to set myself up for the next 40 years. Right. And I think that uh, a lot of our, the, a lot of the way that we are bringing these athletes up isn't, isn't geared towards that, right. We're geared towards the next championship, right. We're geared towards um, how many, four timers or how many national champs I can get into my room or I can produce, but not how many lawyers can I produce? How many right. doctors can I produce? And I think that's a huge problem. And it's something that, like I said, it's, it's the biggest regret when it came to, not that I went to the wrong institution for it either. Right. I just didn't go to the institution for education. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to set myself up for the next 40 years. I went to wrestle. And I think a lot of these athletes do that. And after wrestling is over, um, a lot of these division, and it's not only wrestling, it's, it's division one athletics in general, after their, their time is over, they identified as an athlete for so long. And that's all they were. I mean, think about what I just talked about, right? The NCAA tournament, I was devastated. I thought my life was over because I didn't accomplish becoming an all American, right? That's five years of my life. I still have the rest of my life to live, but I'm not thinking about the rest of my life at all. Right. So at that point, the fact that that my mindset was my life is over, my identity has been stripped. That's that's bad. Right. Yeah. That's bad. And and I was completely lost. And a lot of these athletes at that level. Right. They go to school just to wrestle because that's all that's ingrained in their brains the whole time. The whole time that they're in this sport is, hey, listen, let's go seek that next championship. Let's go seek that next challenge. But not, I shouldn't say not a lot because there are a lot of coaches that are, that are preaching the right things. Right. But there are those select few that, that are just 
chasing those medals and those championships and these athletes, when the college wrestling is done, I'm going to tell you when I was done with college wrestling, I was lost, right? Because I was known, like I said, I was known as Connor the wrestler, right? Um, and it's something that we need to preach to our athletes nowadays is listen, if wrestling was stripped tomorrow, what else would you have? Right. Mm -hmm. Are you known as just the wrestler? There's a lot of things in this life that are bigger than wrestling. Right. right? There really are. If wrestling is important, it should be a very, very, very big factor in your life. But there are a lot of other things that are more important than wrestling. And, and we need to be able to stress to these athletes, especially when you get that good and you're going to these institutions, look at it like the next 40 years. That's what you need to look at. Don't go to so-and-so school just because they're good at wrestling. Right. And because you think you can accomplish your goals in this sport, go to that school because it's going to set you up for the next 40 years and see yourself in 40 years. What are you going to be doing? Right. Um, so think I think about how much looser you'd compete if you know that it's not everything, too. You know, it's like it's, it, it's a benefit. Unbelievable. You, you so here's and that that's funny is because mindset, right? Mindset in this sport, it's almost like when you. Because when I got done with college wrestling, it was like, all right, I'm going to go into the senior circuit and it's just going to be like, fuck it. Let's see. Excuse my language. No, but let, right. let's 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 see. Let's see what I can do. Right. It's one of those things where I don't I don't really care about winning and losing. My mindset was just go out and try to score points and compete hard. And that's when I competed my best. Right. That's when I started beating all Americans time and time again. That's when I uh, when I all American at, at the senior level. Right. That's when I was placing at, at, at in Vegas in the Vegas Open, just letting it fly with that mindset of not it's a weird mindset, right? It's not a mindset of I don't care, right? Because you do care, but it's a mindset of screw it, right? Whatever happens, happens. Right. And you see, you see these athletes nowadays that are letting it fly and they're doing crazy moves, right? With that attitude, and they're having success, right? Right. That attitude of, all right, if I hit this and I get scored on, who cares? Because I know I'm going to get up and get 10 more takedowns. Um, and I think that wrestling is changing in that way, which is awesome. But yeah, but yeah. it is, man. Like, think about the Penn State guys and the great Yanni D. Like, he's just letting it fly out there, man. And it's just amazing to watch some of these kids. And, you know, now you're, you're coaching in Florida. You have the BB trained academy going on. Where is that at? And what kind of a program are you running down there? Is it, is it like a, a kids club? Is it a freestyle club? So we're, we're in St. Pete right outside of Tampa. And it's literally anywhere from K all the way through, through high school. Um, it's, it's a program that you can come to as far as high school. It's, it's somewhere that we can get our athletes to come to outside of their high school training. Right. And, uh, our, our high school season is more in the off season, but right now, I mean, we go year round. So we get uh, kids from all over the area that come in and try to train and get extra training. So um, that's like pretty much what, kind of thing then. Yes, exactly. It, it really is. And then we're, we're also in the, in the beginning stages of starting our beginners program and, and starting to get that, get that rolling and, and kind of breeding for the future uh, with these young athletes. So it's, it's a program where uh, we're going to work and have fun pretty much. And, you know, no one likes to talk more about the, the richness of wrestling tradition than me. And I'm sure you and all of us who came up through it, there's a lot of pride, but man, I hear Florida's got some studs down there too. And they're doing some big things. We are. I mean, we've got, we've got talent. 
Uh, people don't realize, I think uh, last I heard, I could be wrong on this, but I think we have the sixth most participation rate in, in wrestling uh, out of all the states. Uh, I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me. Hey, I'm going with that stat. You'll hear me say that 10 years from now. <laughs> but I mean, even like a, like a Mike Palazzo, you know, Glenbard North, he's down there leading, you know, really strong high school program. And it pains me to say I have to jump, but you know, I just want to kind of sign, sign off with it. So if, if someone's in that Tampa area, the St. Pete area, go to uh, bbtrain.com and that's the best way to get involved with your club. Yeah, bbtrain.com. We're doing big things. And like you were saying before, Florida wrestling has programs all over the place. People don't realize that we're, we're coming on. They're great coaches all over this state. All you got to do is seek them, right? The wrestling academy uh, style is, is starting to catch fire out here. And, and you're seeing a lot of these coaches buy in. And, and like I said, you got, you got great coaches sprinkled all over this state. If you're not getting into my wrestling academy, get it, find one that you can, you can buy into and you can trust in. And that's really the ingredients, right? Having a rest, great wrestling academy, having a great high school, having a great feeder program. That's, that's the key to success when it comes to high school programs and ultimately uh, wrestling success. And we were talking about earlier, but man, your facility just looks like a place you'd want to hang out if you're a wrestler, man. It's got flags everywhere. It's, it's got that clubhouse kind of feel. And I, I can just imagine kids love going in there and just, you know, being a part of the culture. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we, we try to make it a, an atmosphere where you're having fun, right? My big thing is, is if you, if, if you dread going somewhere, you're probably not going to want to get better, right? Think about any subject that you've been in in high school, right? If you hate it, it's like, man, I'm, I'm not going to learn this stuff. I'm just going to get by. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it's one of the things that, that we try to focus on is trying to create an atmosphere where we're, we're going to have fun. We're going to work at hard. We're going to have fun. And it's, it's a place that I've tried to make it to where these guys are excited about walking through those doors every single day. Right. I know going through some of the experiences that I've gone through that not every single practice I wanted to go to. Right. I had, and there were points in my career where I wasn't excited about getting better, right? I want to make it to where these athletes are excited about the process and getting better every single day, right? And scoring points and, and, and just becoming better humans. Um, and I think that's important. I think a lot of these programs just have these athletes come in and grind for, for two hours, and it's not a good practice unless they leave bloody, right? I don't agree with that. You know, first of all, our bodies aren't made to, to grind and bleed every single day like that. We're, we're, we're machines, right? right we're, we right, run right. like machines, right? So if you constantly are breaking our body down over and over again, eventually we're going to fail. So it's one of those things where I try to make it an atmosphere where it's fun and, and we try to get better and we focus on, on, like I said, the little things, right? We focus on the little techniques and, and, um, a little positioning and a lot of, a lot of sparring. That's a, you know, one of the things is, you know, that sparring, that kind of loose time where the kids can learn on their own. That's one of like the biggest predictors of success is being able to have like free, free time to play Russell quote unquote, and, and just kind of go at it where it's not, you know, it's not a, you're not a drill sergeant two hours every day. You know, you gotta have, you gotta have that in the early years, but you know, high school and as you get on, it's a lot of that free Creativity. time, just enjoying it. Creativity. Exactly. Yes. So that. That that's it's funny because in our room we probably do around like an 80-20, right? Where it's 80% we're sparring, 20% we're going live, right? And 
And what it does is it allows these athletes to open up without fear of getting scored on, like we were talking about before, the mindset, right? Where if I'm not scared about getting scored on, I'm probably going to learn a lot more and I'm probably going to let it fly a lot more. I'm going to put myself into situations a lot more, maybe that I'm not comfortable in and see what happens. Right. Um, the biggest thing that you're seeing in wrestling right now is you're, you talked about guys like Yanni, guys like the, the Penn State room is so much freaking creativity, Right wrestling's way different than when we were young, right? When we were young, it was have, have a number one and a number two attack, have a, an attack to one side, have an attack to the other side. Now it's like, dude, just be creative, rest, make wrestling your own. I'm going to show you this move, play with it. Right. And if you come back to me and say, Hey, listen, what, what if I do this in this situation? I'm probably going to say, Hey, listen, play with it. Or I'm going to say, all right, let's next that. Right. But the funny thing is, is once you get these athletes thinking like that, they start playing with these moves and they start figuring out right away, like, oh, man, that worked. Like, let me let me let me try to focus on that or, ah, yeah, let's throw that away. But you see the, the, the process that's going on. And and that's what's happening in wrestling is just creativity. It's awesome to see it. And man, awesome to know you're out there influencing the kids of, of Florida and Tampa. And man, just an honor to have you on the podcast. Connor Baby, thanks for your time, brother. Absolutely. Thank you. And that's the end of Wrestling Changed My Life. We're proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Spartan Combat is a wrestling clothing company who sponsors athletes such as Kyle Dake, Yanni D, David Carr. Go to SpartanCombat.com to purchase gear or check out their national tournament taking place April in Jacksonville, Florida.